Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Jam-packed, action-packed in the screening room this week, but that's to be expected this time of year. Welcome. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. Check it out, all the new releases this week in the screening room, and it is brought to you by Marcus Crosswoods Theater, now with the 70-feet-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and those dream lounger recliners. Let's get right to it. The big one this week, the latest in the DC universe on the big screen, it's Justice League. Violence, acts of war, and terrorism are all on the rise. I had a dream. It was the end of the world. I think it's something more, something darker. Divided. We are not enough. The world needs Superman. I made him a promise. This is why I brought you together. As I've been talking about this movie this week, one of the first things I always say is, I was one of the few that didn't hate Batman v Superman. Now I know you did, and that's I did. That's one of the few movies where we really have a, a disagreement. Right. We we agree on most movies, but that's one where we disagree. I didn't love it, but boy, I thought it got really. People just started piling on by the end there, and I didn't think it deserved all that. But anyway, that was last time out. This time out, really hard to defend Justice League. It's a disappointment all the way around. It is, you know, and it's it's funny. It's disappointing in a very very different way than Batman v Superman, right? Um, and and part of it is, you know, some gambles that they took in in drama versus comedy in character development. And I think those don't always pay off, and it, they're easier to sort of look past. But the biggest thing for me is that it looks awful. That's the biggest surprise, how behind the curve it looks. I mean, just to reset, we've got Batman, Ben Affleck, we've got Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, they're back, and we knew that from the last time. Sure. And, and we also got glimpses at the rest of the Justice League. Well, now they have recruited the rest of the members. They've got uh, the young Cyborg, Flag, uh, Cyborg uh, which I, was, I wasn't really familiar with that character. Well, we're not comic book people. No, I knew him from the cartoon Teen Titans. Okay. Otherwise, I would not have known that character okay. at all. So uh, you got Cyborg, played by Ray Fisher. You've got the young Flash, played by Ezra Miller. And you've got the Aquaman, the uh, the uh, Atlantean Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa. So they're all recruited by Batman and Wonder Woman to help take on this otherworldly villain by the name of Steppenwolf. And I'll wait while you queue up Born to be Wild. <laughs> and here's the thing. When you mention how bad it looks, we'll start right there. Not only do superhero movies need so badly a memorable villain and and they do yes and steppenwolf is not one but it's so distracting and how bad the cgi is you know and you and i were talking about it's not the only place for the cgi looks bad oh uh, no we'll get to that and but we, we were talking about how so much more disappointing it is following up earlier this summer uh the the latest planet of the apes movie which it, at no point while you are watching this film do you think to yourself those apes aren't really on screen that, they're they're apes and they're talking and you buy it 100% that's how beautiful it is that's the thing i, so, I know uh, how does Zack Snyder do you know he's got all the money on earth to make this movie how does his how do his effects look so awful yeah and it sounds you know we're really spoiled about these computer 
effects in movies, but we are. We have seen such incredible advancements that when you see a movie with, like you say, such a big budget, such a big profile, you expect more than this. I mean, it looks like something out of a 90s video game commercial. Right. Or, or, right. It, it, it reminds me of something that uh, on a video game on your phone yeah. that you would be playing. And, and it's not just that he looks terrible, and he does, right? The action that involves him looks ridiculous. Yeah. There is undersea action sequences that are just laughable. So that's one aspect of it. But let's get to let's get to the storytelling. Let's get to the characters because those there are other major problems there. I mean, the nature of this film, this film in particular, beyond just the Marvel versus DC uh, debate, you've got, it's a very similar setup to the first Avengers movie. You're getting a collection of superheroes to Mm -hmm. take on a big villain. So that's even more so than the normal that invites comparisons to a Marvel movie. And it's, it's just comes up so short in the way that characters are developed and story is, is moved along. I mean, these these characters don't do really anything more than pose right. and trade supposedly heavy one-liners. Right. I mean, like, it just goes on and on. Oh, they're posing again. Oh, they crouch down, and oh, they stand up, and look at that pose. It just gets so tiresome. And really, the at least for me, the ironic thing is how this movie treats the humor, because I thought some of the humor in this movie, which is mainly delivered through uh, The Flash and Aquaman, mm-hmm. is pretty decent. Yeah. I mean... That's become a thing that Marvel has taken over, sometimes to its detriment. I think Marvel can lean on the comedy a bit too much sometimes, but they're very good at it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of ironic that here, in a franchise that's committed to such a darker tone, for this movie, I think they have some decent success with the humor in it. But it's really much too little, much too late, and it all becomes such a... Just a tired slog. It's one of those movies that feels longer than it is. Right. It's going nowhere. And for me, it's even a step down from Batman v Superman. Do do you think that... My thought is that if there is a a ray of hope in here, it is that the two most interesting characters in the film are Flash and Aquaman. And they have their own standalone movies coming up. Yep. So, you know, just as, as I didn't care for Batman v Superman, but I think everybody agrees that the most welcome presence in there was Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she went on to have quite a very solid yeah. uh, solo film. So I'm just, if anything, if you know, positive to take away from it. For me, it's it's the that the two characters that I think established themselves well have have solo features coming up, and hopefully those can be pretty good, but only if Zack Snyder is not involved. That's that's the thing, and you mentioned Wonder Woman. Having her in this movie just draws attention to how much better of a story and how much better of a film Wonder Woman was. And it can't go... It can't go without saying that it also is really not hard to miss the different take from a male director, from a female director in Wonder Woman to a male director here, the different kind of gaze, you should mm-hmm. say, that Wonder Woman is treated with, you notice it. Yes, you do. You do notice it. And uh, it was Wonder Woman got such a better treatment in that film than she does in this film. But, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. When you look at the entire franchise, I, I give them credit for embracing, you know, a darker a darker tone. Uh, you know, Christopher Nolan did it so well yes. with the ba- his Batman trilogy, and they kind of embraced that. In fact, Batman v Superman went even darker. Uh, but, boy... I think you're right. Putting the whole franchise in the hands of Zack Snyder seems to be the problem because even, you know, Joss Whedon, who had so much to do with the Marvel side of things, he's listed as a co-writer here. Right. As you know, there was a a tragedy uh, in Zack Snyder's life and Joss Whedon stepped in to help get the film finished 
So he has a writing credit. Which is very commendable. Yes, very. And and you and I were talking about this. When, when they were going to make the Avengers, uh, you know, the more heroes you squeeze into any superhero movie, the more difficult the film is to, to sort of take off. Right. And and so I was worried about the Avengers the first time, which obviously at this point in time in history seems like a dumb worry. But Joss Whedon put together a story because he figured out how all of these superheroes fit together. And I think the thing that makes that film work as well as it does is the interaction among, you know, you've got Captain America, who's clearly the conscience and the heart and everybody else's character sort of fits in perfectly their personalities blend or or spark in a really very genuine way you don't have a, a second of that in this movie it's really a disappointment in almost all facets and we have to go back to the the computer graphics because the other big thing that jumps out i mean it's it's <laughs> not you crazy it's not a spoiler to say that superman is in this movie um because he's in the the trailers mm-hmm. uh, and henry cavill plays him of course and i think we both agree that he's a fine Superman. Yes, we uh, like him as Superman. Uh, we found w- there was some reshoots involved in this movie, and when they called him back, he had a great big mustache for his next film that he was contractually obligated to keep. And so, in back-and-forth scenes, it's so, so obvious that they digitally removed that mustache. I mean, we're just sitting there going, what is up with his mouth? Yeah. And it goes on and on, and it's just, it's so distracting, and it's one of the many technical problems with this movie. It's, it's just incredibly distracting. And, you know, we've talked about it a little bit. If, if this film had been a, a low-budget horror movie, you go ahead and go, okay, well, we don't expect the effects to be great because they're working on a budget. His budget is probably more than most countries' you know, gross <laughs> national product. Yeah, it's just there a, is, There's just no excuse for it to look this bad. Yeah, it, it's, it's really not. It's, it's very surprising, and you just have to wonder about the whole thing. But that's just one of the problems with Justice League, and neither one of us can recommend that. But the other big release, big studio release this week, is based on a New York Times bestseller. It's called Wonder. It tells the incredibly inspiring and heartwarming story of August Pullman, a boy with facial differences who enters fifth grade, attending a mainstream elementary school for the first time. It is Wonder. My name is Augie Pullman. Dear God, please make them be nice to him. I'm not an ordinary 10-year-old kid. I've had 27 surgeries. They've helped me to breathe, to see, to hear without a hearing aid, but none of them have made me look ordinary. Look at his face. I've never seen anything that ugly in my life. You are not ugly, Augie. You just have to say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most, because I know you the most. Hi. You don't have to do this. I don't know what you're talking about, Augie. You don't have to pretend is all I'm saying. Augie! Okay, I'm really sorry. Why are you sitting here then? Because I want some nice friends for a change. Me too. You're the toughest kid in that school. Show them. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. This movie is co-written for the screen and directed by Stephen Chbosky, who adapted his own novel and directed it for the screen a couple of years ago, Perks of Being a Wallflower, a film that neither of us are particularly fond of. Yeah, that's one where, either, even though we agree with each other on this, right. we're at odds with a lot of people because that movie gets a lot of love that we don't think it deserves. But anyway, he's back now with this. He is, and he kind of weighed some familiar waters as his, his previous film, which is really just living with being an outsider mm-hmm. in a school system. The cast is magnificent. Uh, the the three leads, I should say, are magnificent. So Jacob Tremblay from Room plays Augie, and he's wonderful, as he always is. Yeah. Julia Roberts 
plays his mother. And you and I were talking about this. I absolutely was not a fan of Julia Roberts for probably the first two decades of her career. In the last five, six, seven years, Mm -hmm. she has really proven her Mm mettle, particularly as a character actor. I think the same thing is going on with Ethan Hawke. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Julia Roberts, uh, she was the best thing about August Osage County. Even though I didn't care for the movie, she was very good in the American remake of Secret in Their Eyes. Mm. And she's very good here. Very she's authentic. very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. And I think that's authentic, I think, is the, is the word that helps this film really climb above the cliches that I was worried it would be mired in. Yeah. The, the family dynamics, the family interactions with each other, there's an emotional honesty in this film that... I really appreciated. I felt like Chbosky did a lot to avoid cliches of the inspirational, you know, uh, type of film. And and I thought that he got some really great performances. I will say, though, Owen Wilson plays the father. And even though he's fine, the character just doesn't ring true at all. No. It, it doesn't seem like an authentic dad in this family situation. There's nothing particularly wrong with him. He's just kind of playing Owen Wilson, especially when he's opposite a very authentic Julia Roberts. To me, that kind of rang flat. But he's more of a secondary character in the film, so it doesn't hurt it as much. But I agree with you, it's much less manipulative than I thought it would be, and it's got an incredibly big heart, and it's incredibly sweet. It is. It's it's really quite a lovely movie, and it's more understated than any film of this type yeah. that I've seen. The problem with a movie is that, while it's it, there's some emotional honesty to it, the, the context, the, the, the story itself, the situations are wildly untrue. Yeah, there's and, a lot you know, of easy know, resolution. I don't know that I could have borne this story if it were more authentic, because the, he does a great job of making you feel that universal anxiety, right, on the first day of middle school. Being an outsider, being new, not knowing anybody, right? Yeah. And, and, and being the parent of somebody who's facing it. But it's so much more relevant, more powerful in the situation of this little boy to the degree that had they really dug realistically into what could have and more likely would have happened, I don't think I could have taken the film. Yeah, it does. It, it, it cops out in, in that regard and that so many loose ends are tied up way more tidy than they might have been and a lot more quickly than they might have been. But still, I think it's going to make a lot of people feel really good over right. the holiday yeah. season. And I wouldn't be surprised for it to do quite well for a few weeks. Right. And uh, yeah, we were pleasantly surprised by Wonder. Next up, the directing debut of indie movie darling Greta Gerwig. It's the adventures of a young woman living in Northern California for a year. It's called Lady Bird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New in the York. world did I raise such Or at least no. Connecticut or New Hampshire, Sorry, where writers live in the world. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Right at this minute, and I know it's early to declare this, but right at this minute, this movie sits very firmly in my top ten of the year. Very firmly. Well, it's getting a lot of love from a lot of people, including us. Now, we, you know, we've been fans of Greta Gerwig for a while, right. and she has she co-wrote uh, the movie Mistress America a couple mm-hmm. of years ago mm-hmm. with Noah Baumbach. Both very impressed by that. And Frances Ha. She and, wrote Frances Ha and, 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 and he directed. Ha. So she's been a successful actress and a successful writer now. And now you can add successful director to that uh, to that list. This is just a wonderful, wonderful movie. And it, it, as I was saying, 
you know, about the film Wonder, that it had a, a ring of authenticity in the, the emotional view that it takes. This movie is so refreshingly honest, candid, and even better for me, forgiving yeah. for a coming-of-age film. So you've got this, you know, free spirit, senior in high school. She goes to a, a Catholic high school in Sacramento. And you just kind of basically follow her through the end of her senior year, the beginning of her freshman year in college. You know, just everything that happens there. The story, the plot is... I think less important to this film than than sort of the character study. And Shorsha Ronan plays the lead character. Always wonderful. You really can't do better than that. I've said for years she is a future Oscar winner. I still believe it. And uh, I don't know whether she's going to get it for this film or not, but she's going to get one. She's wonderful. Well, you know what might surprise people? It. I think that Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne, yeah. from the TV show Roseanne, I think Laurie Metcalf stands an excellent chance of an Oscar nomination for her role as Lady Bird's mother. Well, you know, that's... What pe- probably people know her best as. She's done a, a million things. She's oh, been she a great has, yeah. character actor for years. Yes, yeah, she has. And I would love to see that prediction come true. Yeah, I would too. I would be so happy about it because she plays the kind of mom you don't tend to see in a coming-of-age film because she's she's very dimensional. She's a bit scary. She's not all that nice. And in most movies like this, your John Hughes-type film, or even your Perks of Being a Wallflower kind of movie, she would get blame for some angst. And so would the Catholic school system get blame for some angst. And one of the things I love about this movie is that it shows the flaws and faults that surround this girl, but it forgives everyone, including herself. She's very... it's, It's just... Oh, and it is so funny. I'm not sure that I would call it a comedy outright. A dramedy, I think, is probably a better description of it, because it it's more depth. There's more depth than you might find in a traditional comedy. But I laughed harder and more often during this movie than maybe anything I've seen this year. Yeah, so big recommendations for Lady Bird. We think one of the best movies of the year. In limited release, we've got a few to talk about in limited release this week. And we'll start off with the movie that is a poignant satirical drama reflecting our times about the sense of community, moral courage, and the affluent person's need for egocentricity in an increasingly uncertain world. It's the latest by filmmaker Ruben Ostland. It's called The Square. What are the biggest challenges in running a museum? We're a museum of modern and contemporary art, so we need to present art that is the art of today, art that is absolutely cutting edge, and the competition is fierce. If you place an object in a museum, Mm. for instance, if we took your bag and placed it here, would that make it art ah okay now if you don't know Ruben Ostland he is a writer director who a couple of years ago did a movie we loved called Force Majeure or The Tourist Mm -hmm. and the thing about him in that movie and in this movie he's he's fascinated with social contracts what makes us act the way we do inner forces outside pressures how do we react to our our own motivations and yet what other people expect of us and he did it in a much more serious way uh, last time out this time he not only adds a lot more comedy he he adds just absurdity oh yeah to the whole affair and it's it comes out so well but so it's weird it's freakish it's sometimes laugh out loud funny but it's very, very effective in looking at, I think, many things, uh, not only looking at the pretentiousness of the modern art world where a lot of the story is set, but also just the growing distance between the classes, upper and mm-hmm, lower, mm-hmm. and how that is reflected in our 
interactions. Yeah, I, I saw it as kind of a crisis of entitlement mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, the, the lead who uh, who runs this modern art... In Sweden. Gallery in Sweden. A lot of it is in foreign language film. Yes, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and he's he's robbed, right? He's mugged. And then it's just the rest of the film. Uh, he's trying to figure out how to contend with that. Well, at the same time, there's a new exhibit coming that if you stand inside the square, we're all uh, equally responsible for each other and 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 it's just and, and there's yeah you're promised a, a sanctuary of caring right you know and it's yeah there's so much going on yeah there <laughs> really is it would take us the rest of the podcast but like i said there's so so much absurdity that a lot of it makes you just kind of gape mouth open at the screen yeah. and other times laugh out loud right. in the places that it goes but we would really recommend it especially if you know this filmmaker because he is one to definitely keep an eye on the way he just looks at things in just a different way mm-hmm. and is able to bring these insights to the screen uh, i loved it and that's called the square also in limited release this week a horror movie and you know we love those a serial killer and her next victim form an unexpected relationship in poor agnes what do you want I want you to ask me to shoot you. Say I'm a bad man and I want to die. Mice were made for cats and this world was made for me. This is a low budget affair, a Canadian movie, and sometimes the budget restrictions are are fairly evident. It's a serial killer film basically and it turns quickly into kind of a Stockholm syndrome character study. And it has some missteps, and and uh, but more than anything, the lead Agnes, played by Laura Burke, is magnificent. You know, in a way that is so unsettling and unpleasant, but at the same time, weirdly human and believable. And for that reason, you know, I think that first of all, you're seeing a star in the making. She is, she's just a tremendous talent. But also, I think it's an interesting take on the serial killer and something that's just worth a look. And one more, this one might be in very limited release. It's a documentary, and in his own words, Frank Serpico tells the story of his one-man crusade for police reform in the New York City Police Department during the early 1970s. It's called Frank Serpico. 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 Frank Serpico. The guy's telling me, take the money. We'd feel a lot better. And I said, what do I care what you feel? I like to sleep at night. Well, that poster, you know, the Al Pacino, bushy-haired, bearded poster from the 70s, that's just still such an iconic it image is. It is. from that era. And just the name Serpico carries so much weight with it. People that are aware uh, that he has a legend behind him. And this one, mostly in first person, mm-hmm. uh, lets you get closer to the character. And he is a character, uh, as Frank <laughs> tells his story. And you get a lot of great archival footage, and it follows him through, through many years of different hairstyles. <laughs> And different forms of facial hair. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely a character, and he's got a story to tell. I mean, some of them are funny, like he talks about how he was first talked about of being able to play himself in the movie. And then eventually, once Pacino got cast, he got kicked off the set for pointing out inaccuracies. You know, (laughs) that kind of guy. But he's... You get the sense that he's still today. He doesn't understand what is so difficult about being honest. Right. And he he doesn't get that. And so you get to see, when you go back in time with him, you see not only his story, but you can see the what makes for effective community policing Mm -hmm. and that what also sows the seeds of corruption. Sure. And some of the stories are just shocking. They're eye-opening. They're very frustrating. As you can see, he still today carries a frustration with him. And one of the things about it is after 98 minutes, you're left with this prevailing attitude that really anybody that thinks police corruption can ever be effectively corralled is just naive. 
and and that's it's sad. And even though it's really worthwhile hanging out with this guy for a while, it does leave you with that defeated sort yeah. of attitude because of just what everybody is up against. Especially when one man tried to do sure. it and nearly had his own people kill him. Right. It's very interesting as a, as a point of history, as getting to know this guy, but it also, man, it can be a bittersweet ride, and that is Frank Serpico. Moving on to the new releases in home video, Blu-ray, DVD, the whole bit. One that we liked, one that a lot of people did not see, Charlize Theron was great in Atomic Blonde. She was, and... You know, it's just a really fun action movie. It's not a brilliant film by any stretch of the imagination, but the action in it is magnificent, and she makes 1989 look so cool. That's hard and to as do. we know, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised it was such a bomb because we both enjoyed it. James McAvoy as well Absolutely. Uh, is in there, and he's good. So, yeah, we liked Atomic Blonde. Another one from a filmmaker we like very much, but it was a bit of a disappointment considering how good he's been in the past called Wind River. Taylor Sheridan wrote Sicario, wrote Heller High Water. Oh. He's just a filmmaker. We're going to watch anything he has to do. The problem is with Wind River, he steps behind the camera, and he's just a he's a stronger writer than he is a director. Yeah, he's only been a director one one time before for features. He did a something called Vile that we haven't seen back in 2011. But this time, yeah, especially with what he's done the past couple of movies, we were really really pumped for this one. Such a great great writer, but and here, a great cast. Yeah, and a great cast. Uh, but here he just shows a little being a little green in the director's chair, but hopefully that will improve. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. I think one of the problems with the film is that um, uh, my guess is that his writing can be a little bit more obvious and strident than we'd have realized because his last two films were in the hands of such, such talented directors. And that when he's behind the camera, things feel a little preachy. And that's one of the problems with Wind River is that it does feel a little bit preachy. It tells an interesting story. And, And again, Jeremy Renner, and Elizabeth Olsen are great. The cast is very solid. It's just that the film just comes a little short for me. Also out this week, a weird movie that I really enjoyed. It's called Brigsby Bear. And this one, in the opening credits, you see The Lonely Island, Andy Samberg's production company, and think, oh, it's going to be one of those. But it's not. It's so thoughtful and nuanced. It's such a weird story. It's about a guy who has been unknowingly held captive most of his life for people that he think are he thinks are his parents but they're not and he's in his, his early 20s now and he's only seen one TV show his entire life the TV show Brigsby Bear and so when he's finally freed and reunited with his birth family he's just obsessed with this TV show and he wants new episodes and what's happening he doesn't understand why everybody else isn't equally obsessed and then he gets a load of the technology of today that he had never had any access to Uh, And he has access to it now, and he learns about it and figures, you know what, I can make my own new episodes of Brigsby Bear. And it says a lot about, you know, the past, moving on from the past, about fanboy fanaticism. And one of the co-stars is Mark Hamill, which is perfect, because who's more of an icon from fanboys than Mark Hamill? And it it really has a a lot of, of thoughtful things to say and is sweetly funny about it as well. So I would really recommend Brigsby Bear. Kind of offbeat, uh, and it features a really nice lead performance by Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live right, right. as uh, as the main character. And, uh, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised by Brigsby Bear. I'd recommend that. One we would not recommend, The Nut Job 2, Nutty by Nature. When I saw that, I thought, okay, so there was a Nut Job 1. <laughs> yes, there was. Apparently he made enough money to get a sequel. And this is just, it's just totally forgettable uh, and a little 
you know, lazy, a little lazy. It tries, I guess, give it credit. It tries to be politically relevant, like sort of on the order of Zootopia. Zootopia but man, Zootopia did it so, so well. Yes, they really this, did. You know, you, credits for trying, I guess. But really, this, I don't think, doesn't offer anything more than just giving the youngest kids a chance to laugh at some talking animals. Other than that, it really doesn't offer much. The nut job too, nutty by nature. Uh, holiday season now, so it's really picking up. We're looking forward to actually a short week next week because a lot of things open uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, the mm-hmm. night before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But next uh, week we got Coco, the, which is the latest from Pixar. Looking forward to that. Also, the man who invented Christmas mm-hmm. looks about the or the origins of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. we'll get that. Also, Roman J. Israel Esquire, latest movie for Denzel Washington, looks interesting. Does looks interesting. We'll see. And three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I actually got to see that last night. Really enjoyed it, so we'll talk more about that next week. But in the meantime, let us know what you thought about any of these movies, especially Justice League. If you want to take us to task for not liking the DC Universe, totally ready for that. You can give us a shout. Easiest way is on Twitter. You can hit us up at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F on Facebook and Instagram. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. And, of course, the main website is MadWolf.com. You can get our written reviews, a bunch of other fun stuff, and find our horror movie-only podcast, which is Fright Club. The Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and is sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Don't forget that you can get your tickets to The Last Jedi on sale now. Get them. Get them before they're gone. Until next week, hit us up on social media if you can. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.